Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2010 Annual Missions Conference. This is the evening service of Wednesday the 2nd of June 2010 and the Bible readings are taken from Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 to 20 and Luke chapter 10 verses 25 to 37. Here's Brother Richard Rolls. All right, good to be in the house of the Lord this evening and good to see each one of you here. I thank God for this opportunity and I mean that sincerely. And uh, I just so appreciate each and every one of you being here. God bless you. I do have a request. Does anyone have a cough drop? Cough drop that you take when you have a cough. That'll work. That'll work. Yes, please. I have a little problem with congestion, and I normally carry the cough drops with me, but I forgot. It's not really my memory is getting bad. It's just my forgetter is working better than it ever has before. Thank you, sister. Uh, Any of you have that problem? All right. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, also to the book of Luke, chapter 10. And uh, I want us to stand and we'll read two passages of Scripture there. Again, we do count it an honor and a privilege to be here. I'm sorry that my wife, Nora, could not be here. She would come, but as you know, she has a heart condition, and uh, it's a little bit uh, fearful for her to fly, uh, especially on a long flight where the oxygen is thinner, when the planes are in altitude and so forth. So if you would, you pray for her, please. She still travels with me in the States to uh, 99.9% of our meetings, and uh, I thank God for her. We've been married for over 56 years. Amen. I told her, I said, if you ever leave, I'm going with you. She said, well, there's no point in me leaving. I said, you got it. (laughs) All right. I do love her. I thank God for her. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 16 through 20, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Then in the book of Luke chapter 10, we'll begin reading through verse, at verse 25. And read through verse 37. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, that is, tempting Jesus, said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law, and how readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him 
and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, thank God for this Samaritan, amen, said a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went unto him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He sat him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you, Lord, again for this opportunity to be here with this dear church and the dear people that make this church up. I thank you, Lord, for Brother Larry. And, Lord, I thank you, Father, for his family. I thank you, Lord, for the way they have stood by him and the way he stood by this church. And, God, I praise your name for his faithfulness. And, Lord, I thank you so much, dear God, for for this and for his dear wife, Lord, and the way she stood with him and all of them. And, God, I thank you for the church. I thank you for these missionaries that are here tonight. And I'm looking forward to hearing from this other missionary family tomorrow night. And our brother that spoke tonight, Lord, how it stirred our hearts. And, Lord, it makes me want to pray for the, you to send laborers to him. And I thank you, Lord, for the membership of this church and the way they have given over the years, Lord, to help send missionaries out. Not only giving to help send missionaries, but giving, Lord, to help sustain this ministry. And, Lord, giving testimonies verbal testimonies, Lord, with their lives changed and prayers answered and their desire to witness for you and to study your word and pray and, Father, to reach out, Lord, to a lost and dying world, God giving clear evidence of the salvation that they possess. Father, I pray that you'd continue to bless this ministry in every way and every facet. And I ask you, Lord, that you'd bless me tonight. Lord, help me to not be a disappointment or discouragement, Father. I pray that you'd bless me to be a blessing to them. And, Lord, I cannot be that blessing unless you intervene. And, Father, bless me to be a blessing. So I pray that you'd do this. Lord, I ask you again, take from my mind the things that I should not say. Bring to mind only that which ought to be said. And help us to say those things in the fullness of your power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to say again that I appreciate each one of you being here tonight. As the pastor said, mission conferences are the least attended, maybe the least popular of all the meetings the church has. But I say without apology, not because I'm here to preach a mission conference, but because of its truth, missions and mission conferences tend to do more for the church than any other meeting that you have. Amen. And a number of reasons for that that we'll deal with at a later time. But uh, in our text that we read this evening, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then he gives the promise, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, folk, listen. There is no way that we can accomplish what he has just commanded us to do through them, except through the fullness of the Spirit and the power of God. We just can't do it. 
But because Jesus said do it, if we understand that every single one of his commands are accompanied with the power to fulfill them, and we go in the light of that power, drawing on that power, then uh, we can, through missions, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Now, in our text, second text that we read in the book of Luke chapter 10, we see the picture of a lost person and uh, really uh, one of the great reasons that we ought to go into all the world is because of the condition of the world. We ought to go, first of all, because we're commanded by the Lord and we ought to go because of the effectiveness of our going and we ought to go because of the condition of people. But I want us to uh, take the scripture here tonight in the book of Luke chapter 10 and look at this for just a little bit in the light of rescuing the perishing. First of all, I repeat, we have here a picture of a lost man, number one. Picture of a lost man. This man leaves the city of God, Jerusalem, and goes down to Jericho, which is a very, very wicked, sinful, and ungodly city. And it's a picture of a man of the world leaving, leaving what could be uh, a good life for him through knowing the Lord and then going into sin and living in wickedness and ungodliness. And I ask the question, why did this man leave the city of God? I ask, I ask another question, was the presence of God not in that city? And the answer is, yes, God's presence was there. God's chosen to dwell in Jerusalem, that his name will, will abide there forever. And in the presence of God, the Bible tells us that, uh, it says, in God's presence there's fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Why did this man leave that city? Why did he not, why did he leave the, the potential of having joy, pleasures forevermore? Why did he leave that? And the answer is because he was blind. He didn't know what God was wanting to do and willing to do for him there. And he goes down to the wicked city of Jericho. It's not only down spiritually, but it's down uh, as far as the altitude is concerned. And I, that raises a question I want to ask. Why do people go down? Why do they leave uh, the, the presence of the Lord? Why do they leave the teachings that their mother and dad gives them in their homes time and time again? And uh, uh, why do they just go astray, go into the world, go into wickedness? And the answer is because of the emptiness that is in their hearts. Amen? Emptiness, great emptiness. And in doing this, they go and experiment with drugs, booze, cigarettes, illicit sex, gambling, and the list goes on and on. And the pleasures of sin, please hear me, offer pleasure, but only for a season. And it is so fleeting. I think of the woman at the well in the Gospel of John chapter 4. Going to the well, drawing water, drawing water, drawing water. And sin is like that. You know, water will satisfy you for a little while, and it's essential, but folks, sin's not essential. And as water satisfies you only for a little while, sin only satisfies for just a little while, if it even satisfies that long. But this man goes down, and sinners go down because they're empty and they're searching. Why do the heathen in Africa going to all of the debauchery and all of the wicked things that they do. Why do people in the United States, why do the people in England, why do people in every country of the world go down, leave the teachings of godly moms and dads in many cases, and go down? 
And the answer is because of the emptiness in their soul. The emptiness in their soul. But I want you to notice something that happened when this man left Jericho. I think he encountered, number two, what we would refer to as the surprise or surprises of sin. Amen? The Bible says that he fell among thieves. He didn't plan this, but it happened. And these thieves stripped him of his raiment. They stripped him of everything that he held dear that was of any value. And instead of joy and fulfillment, instead of finding something that would satisfy, he found only heartbreak and disappointment, wreck and ruin, and and he's beaten and left by the side of the road half dead. Now I want to tell you, folks, listen. If you're here this evening and you don't know the Lord or your life is not dedicated to the Lord, you hear me well. Sin will always take you to this end if you follow it long enough. Always, always. Listen, the world will do this. They'll smile. They'll be so kind. They flatter you. But then in the end, your ungodly companions in sin will take everything that you hold dear in this life. And when you have nothing left that you can give, I'm telling you, they'll, in a verbal way of speaking, they'll wad you up, throw you down, and if you say anything about it, they'll tromp on you and kick you to the side, if not kick you on down the drain in the gutter. Amen? They, they want to exploit you. When your health and strength is, is gone, this is what they're going to do. And not only did these folks strip him, but look, they wounded him, beat him. I mean, uh, it may be that they did it just for the fun of it. He's already, see, thieves, that suggests there's more than one. He's outnumbered, subdued, but they beat him. And I can't help wondering if maybe they did it even with the joy and pleasure they was getting out of abusing him. You say people wouldn't be that wicked. Listen, I, I would not repeat some of the stories that I've read of crimes that have been done where people after the crimes, were, they didn't even want to live. They said, I don't even want to remember the things they did to me. I want to die. How can people be so heartless, so ungodly? And the answer is because they are of their father, the devil, and the devil hates people, hates you and I, and he wants to destroy and take away everything we hold dear. And I say again, if you're with sin, you're living with sinful companions, you're going to find wreck and ruin in your life. And this will be passed on to others as you, as you go along in your influence and in your life. But now notice in this condition, stripped of his raiment, robbed everything that's dear taken from him, even his life is, is hanging in the balance. Here comes uh, religion. Here comes a priest that passed by. But that priest looks at this man, represent to me, represents religion, and he thinks, man, that guy's too far along. He doesn't have anything he can give me. And he passes by on the other side of the road with no compassion for him whatsoever. He gets as far away as he can, you know. I don't want to get involved with that, you know. Guys may be hiding in the bushes, come beat me, you know. So he passes by. And then here's a Levite that comes along. The Levites in the Old Testament were entrusted with the administration of the law. 
and, and as well as the priest working, you know. And uh, the law represents, you know, a lot of do's and don'ts. And man, this fella, there's not a problem with him, you know, in in the don't, don't, don't list or the do, do list. He can't do either one. He's at the end of his don't list, and he's sure at the end of his do list, he can't even help himself. And so this guy said, well, he said, he don't have anything to offer. And so he does the same thing, passes by on the other side of the road. But thank God for the Good Samaritan. To me, this represents a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ working through someone that cares, compassion, Note what he did. The Bible says he did not pass by on the other side of the road, but he went to him and he gets personally involved. He had compassion on him, the Bible says. Somebody has defined compassion as being your pain in my heart. I care. You've fallen. You're in a place of need. You're not in a place to give. But that's not what it's all about. I'm going to be the giver. I'm going to be the helper. I'm going to reach down to you. And he goes where he was, and he gets personally involved. You know, to me, and, and I can't help it, folks, to me this kind of suggests house-to-house visitation at home. Going out, passing out some flyers, knocking on doors. And I know time and again we think, we've done that, Brother Rawls, we've done it, we've done it, and and virtually no response, that's okay. Listen, I'd like for it to be the other way, but I'm going to tell you, those people that you've knocked on their doors, you've given them a track, you've given them a flyer, you've given them an invitation, you've reached out to them, one day they're going to stand before God if they die lost, and they're going to hear the words, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, into everlasting fire, separated from God and heaven. But they can't point their finger at you and say, You had a church in the shadow of my home, and none of you reached out to care for my soul. None of them can do that. Because you went, you cared. And, uh, and you gave them an invitation to come. Listen, visitation. You say, Does this work? Hmm. Well, over in our country, and it could have happened here in this country as well, they were having a revival meeting, and somebody had invited a man who could not hear and could not speak to come to church. They didn't even have someone to sign for him. And I don't know how this happened, but evidently somewhere back down the line he had heard the gospel, and while the preacher is verbally preaching, the Holy Spirit of God was silently speaking. And I'm telling you, that fellow went forward in the invitation and was gloriously saved. Amen. And uh, I think they had somebody there that could instruct him, you know, and with sign language. But listen, that fellow was so gloriously saved, he got up and he said, ah, 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 ah. And everybody knew that he was rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. That man went out the next day, and everybody that he saw, they all knew him. They referred to him disrespectfully, and I, I don't like that, but they referred to him as dummy. Dummy. And every person that man saw, he's, he's looking up, he's saying, ah, 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 ah. And, and he's asking, do you know the Lord? The word had traveled, and people began coming to church. 
And he's going to them during the invitation, and he's looking up, and he's saying, ah, 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 oh, ah. Pointing to the altar. They said over a hundred people came to Christ through that meeting, through the efforts of that one man that couldn't even talk. You see, folk, listen. God's looking for people who are willing to be empty vessels that he can bless and use. And God used that man. God used that man. Hey, I think about another man, Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter was so depraved, so wicked, so ungodly, a drunken, alcoholic bum. His little girl, about, I don't know, four or five years old, so desperately sick. Doctor came to their home, and back in those days, they made house calls. And the doctor examined that little girl and said to the mother, said, she's deathly sick, said, I'm going to write a prescription, said, she's got to have this. And even with the medicine, said she may not live, but she's got to have this medicine. And that mother sent her husband, Mel Trotter, to the drugstore with the money to buy that medicine. He was so drunken and depraved, he used that money to buy booze. And that little girl ended up dying. Finally, with his health gone, his family gone, he ends up in Chicago, Illinois, sitting on the curb with his feet in the gutter and uh, every nerve in his body crying out for a fix for drugs. And he said, a pusher came up. And he said, I'm thinking, man, oh, if I just had some money to buy some drugs from him. And said that man looked down at, at Mel Trotter and he said to him, he said, hey, man, he said, I got what you need. And old Mel Trotter stood upon trembling legs and shaking knees and and he took that man by the lapel of his jacket, and he said, Man, in the name of God, if you got something, give it to me. Every nerve in my body is crying out for a fix. And he said, To my dismay, that man reached inside of his coat pocket and pulled out a New Testament. He said, I didn't think he had what I needed. But he said, I listened to him. The man invited him to go down the street to the Pacific Garden Mission, and Mel Trotter walked in on trembling legs and sat down and heard the preacher preach. He didn't get saved that night. But he went back the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and little by little the light began to shine through into his darkened, sin-cursed soul. And one night he saw it. Brother Larry got up, walked down the aisle, knelt in the altar. They took an old-fashioned Bible, led him to Jesus, and the burden rolled away. Listen, he became a worker in the mission. Boy, if they... If, they needed beds made. He's the man. I'll do it. They needed the floor swept. I'll do it. He would, he'd volunteered even wash dishes. Amen. And uh, he, he became so, so effective. Growing in the Lord, man, studying his Bible. They said, I, I kind of believe that Mel Trotter would make a good superintendent for this place. And he became the superintendent for that mission. And then Mel Trotter one day asked the question. He said, how many of these places, these rescue missions exist around over the United States? And they said, not many. He said, why don't they exist? Boy, there's sure plenty of bums like I was. There sure is a need. And uh, they said, there's not enough people to start them. He said, by God's grace, I'll start them. 
And before Mel Trotter died, he was credited with starting 75 rescue missions, reaching out to the people, drunken, derelict bums, dope addicts, drugs. Hey, this man, they bound up his wounds, this good Samaritan. And uh, that speaks of the love and the care and the understanding. And uh, I thought about this. You know, people... People really don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Amen. And uh, look, the Bible says, pouring in oil and wine, bound him up, put him upon his own beast, and took him to an inn. And uh, Scripture says that he, he took care of him. I can't help but interject here. That kind of reminds me of a van ministry or bus ministry. Amen. You say, preacher, these kids, they're too small. How can they, they, they can't possibly know what's going on. Well, pardon me, but, but folk, listen, I was a grand sum total of three years old when a lady with her husband came across the street to our home and invited my lost mom and dad to go to church with them. My mom and dad, blind, lost in sin. They, you know, good moral people as far as the world would look at them in concern. But, uh, Hey, lost, they, they, they made some excuses, wouldn't go. But you know what that dear lady did? She was a teacher of the little beginners class. And uh, class I would be in, she said, well, what about rich? Well, you know, if you want to take him to church, you know. And the next Sunday, my mom got me up, got me all cleaned up, you know, little, little pair of short pants, you know, like this, and little galluses and the Fancy white shirt born, and my mom's leaning against the door, you know, like this, half glass door. And then she said, in a bit, come on, Rich. And I go, and she sends me across the street by myself. You said a three-year-old, don't worry. It was back during the Second World War, right before it, and there was only two cars on that street would start without pushing them, amen. And half worried about getting run over. But they took me to church. I remember that even the car I'm riding in. You know, I'm looking out the windows this way. And here's Miss Ballard over here and Mr. Ballard over here. And there's a knob on top of some kind of steel rod and he's doing it like this. I learned later it's a gear shift knob, amen. Had three in the floor. <laughs> but they took me to church. In that church, I was the only student in that class. At least that morning, and I remember Miss Ballard taking me up in her lap, and she said the most wonderful words to me. She said, Richard, did you know God loves you? She said, God loves you. And she quoted to me one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture I've ever heard in my life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I didn't get saved that morning, and she had no way of knowing that she was holding in excess of 57 years of ministry preaching in her lap, that God would let that little old boy one day have a part in planting two churches on the, on the soil of the United States and helping, having a part in planting some others down in Mexico, and then going on the road and preaching in literally hundreds and hundreds of churches and telling the wonderful story that Jesus saved. Jesus saved. 
held to sinners far and wide. And listen, and seeing folk get saved in these churches and folk called into missions, amen, and seeing some of those missionaries sent out and them starting churches. What can you do with a kid? I find in my Bible that even adults have to come as children in order to get saved. This fellow took this man to an inn. That's a picture of the church. Amen. And uh, took him there. You know, why well, get him in church? So the Holy Spirit of God can use the preaching of the Word of God to convict them and draw them and enlighten them. Luke 14, 23 says, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Listen, that my house may be filled. Look at these pews. Who would God have you to help get on these empty pews to fill them? Amen. God be pleased with that. You'd be honored. You'd be blessed in doing it. But he took care of him. Amen. How do you take care of folk who come to church? You get lost people here. You volunteer to sit with them, you know. And uh, you're kind and nice to them. And, uh, you know, be friendly with them. Everybody being friendly with them. And uh, listen, you won't get everybody that you go after. But if you go after the folk that you don't get, God will give you some folk that you don't go after that you do get. You get all that, that's, is that, you got all that? Hey, Amen. One fellow said, if you don't go after the folks you, that, if you don't go after the folk that you don't get, you won't get the folk that you do get that you didn't go after. I think, did that come out right, preacher? I, I think, you, you know what I mean. Amen. You go after the one, you go after these, I'll try one more time. You go after some, you don't get them. But if you go after them, God will give you some that you don't go after. Amen. And uh, I want you to notice, please, he's got, that fellow got his heart involved, binds up the wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine, got his beast involved, set him on his own beast. That means that fellow going to have to walk, by the way. And, uh, and then he goes to, takes him to the inn and uh, takes care of him. And then he gets the innkeeper involved. He, go, he leaves the next day, but he takes out his, his, his money, you know, and he gives the fellow two pence. By the way, that's way more than two ordinary pennies, you know, back in those days. But he told him, he said, you take care of him. And he said, I'm going to come again. And whatsoever you spend more than this, I'll pay you when I come back. Amen. That reminds me of the second coming of Jesus. The Lord's already paid everything that we need for our redemption. And you reach out to lost people and you go get these folk that's fallen by the side of the road. And you hear me, if there's anything else owed, when he comes back, he'll take care of that too. Amen. He's coming again. And I see him getting the innkeeper involved. Amen. So here he's involved, his heart's involved, his beast's involved, his money's involved, the innkeeper's involved. And Jesus is going to come again. Rescue the perishing. While there's still time, care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep o'er the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. I'm going to tell you, folks, one of these days, the doctor is going to take our pulse, and he's going to turn around and shake his head. And he'll signal, signify that we're dead. And you may read in the paper someday, our Christian news periodical, Richard Rawls is dead. But don't you believe it? <laughs> I 
I'm like Dale Moody. I'll be more alive than I've ever been in my life. I'll be more alive. But the people that we've had the privilege of reaching and winning to Jesus, oh, my word, my, my word. This, wouldn't it be wonderful to have so many people that you've helped to reach through missions, you've helped to reach through your church here, and uh, then when we get on the other side, mm-mm-mm. I believe one reason we're going to need glorified bodies is to handle all the neck hugging that's going to go on. Amen. But it won't happen unless we're reaching out. I want to ask you what our pastors already said earlier in the service. Lord, what do you desire of me? I think of myself, Lord, I'm nothing. I'm, if, it, if it's possible, I'm less than nothing. You may feel the same way. Lord, I am so, I'm so nothing. I'm so little. I'm, I'm so vain. Lord, could you possibly use me? But listen, it's from the best I can tell in our way of thinking, God started with nothing when he created the heavens and the earth. Amen. And if you're nothing, you're in a good opportunity, a good place for God to do it again. Yes, sir. Good candidate. So, dare to trust God. Let him, work, let him work in your life. And let Him use you to be a blessing and a help to others. Giving, going, praying, reaching out while there's still time. I wonder if there are those who would lift your hand and say, Brother Rawls, I have some lost folk that I know about that I probably could reach if I'd really make a special effort to go after them maybe to get them in church, get them under the sound of the gospel, possibly win them to Christ through that. Uh, pray, pray with me that the Lord will help me to be diligent to go, go out there and reach them and get them in the house of God. Would you slip your hand up? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, dear folk. Yes, God bless you. Amen. Second question. I wonder if there might be those here this evening who would lift your hand and say, Brother Rawls, I'm saved. But I'm living at a guilty distance away from my Lord. Please pray for me. I love the Lord. I, want, I don't want to dishonor him with my life in any way. Would you slip your hand up, please? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Let me ask, one, let me ask another question. I wonder if there are those here this evening who would lift your hand and say, Brother Rawls, pray with me. I'm not sure but what the Lord might be speaking to my heart about being a missionary, or maybe you're sure of it. Either way, would you lift your hand and say, pray with me about this? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, that name, that's above every name. The name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father that you're Lord. In Jesus' name. I pray that you'd help us this week. Do a special work, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'd grant that folk here, Lord, that may have some things just, Lord, totally undone in their lives, Lord, would be fixed. God, that they'd live so as to honor you. Lord, help them to get in the Word and study the very problems that they're having, Lord, and find your answer for it, knowing, God, that there's power in your Word to fix it, Lord. And God, I pray that you'd help them to not study it with the idea of just, I know what the book says, I just can't do it. God, help them to, to memorize the Scripture relating to the problems. And Father, see your powerful Word 
work the miracles in their lives that only the Word can do. And then, God, I pray for these and lift in their hands. God, people that they could probably get in church, Lord, if they'd reach out to them. I pray that you'd encourage them, help them to go after them, Father. God, get them in the house of God. Go by and pick them up in the car, whatever it might be, Lord. And then I pray for these, Lord, that have lifted their hands. And Lord, stating, Father, that you may be calling them or maybe are calling them into mission work. I ask you, Lord, that you do whatever is necessary to prepare them, encourage them, help them, Father, to go on and to be obedient, Lord, and to do it. You work in their lives, Lord. I know, Father, there was a period of time, Father, when you called me before you actually sent me out. And I pray that, Father, you do whatever needs to be done with these for Jesus' sake that they might, Father, be laborers, sent forth as laborers into the harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. For our sake we ask it.